Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hey, hey, and welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is Kurt Mortensen, Podcast 384. We've got a surprise, a special guest today, Ben Ward. He's going to be telling us some stuff, take some great notes today. Let me tell you a little bit about Ben. Ben Ward is a sales and leadership master with over 20 years experience in executive leadership training and development, a sought-after keynote speaker, mentor, and strategic advisor. He founded Forward Leadership as a result of his personal obsession for continuous improvement and passion for helping others grow and develop. But we're excited as we talk about persuasion, motivation, influence, leadership, the skills we should have learned in school to have Ben Ward here. So Ben, welcome. Thank you, Kurt. It's wonderful to be here with you, brother. Hey, it's good to have you here. Talk about the skills that'll change lives, increase incomes. We always talk about, man, these are things we should have learned a long time ago, but we're going to learn them today as we go through this. But we have to start off with our question for any guest. So Ben, tell me right now, what is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? Oh my goodness. That is hilarious. I don't know if this is a vegetable, but I think it is. <laughs> Sauerkraut. Kurt, is that a vegetable? Sauerkraut. We got cabbage in there. Is that like kimchi? I mean, sauerkraut's your German version of kimchi. Can we say that? Yeah, probably. I think it's like a cabbage, like a vinegared cabbage type thing. Okay, so I cannot stand sauerkraut, and this is why. I, my <laughs> Careful, junior... you're going to upset our Germans out there. <laughs> so I, in high school, we had a, um, like a lunch rally where they recruited people to come down, and there's three of us that were dumb enough to go down and pound a Costco can, like a huge Costco can of sauerkraut. I won out of the three and I downed it so fast that literally I cannot stand. I can't think about or taste sauerkraut without wanting to vomit. Did you keep it in or did you refund it? I refunded it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So listeners, let us know if sauerkraut's even a vegetable. I think so. You got some cabbage in there. And if my Germans out there, if you're offended, of course, Koreans, kimchi, there's some similarities there. But that's the first on the show, Ben. Sauerkraut (laughs) is the worst one on the planet. So we will take it on there as we go forward. So we'll be talking about sales and leadership all under the realm of influence. And so as you look at, I'll let you choose sales or leadership. I know you train in both worlds. That's part of persuasion, influence, and motivation. What do you see right now as things have changed in the world, the biggest sales or leadership or influence blunder? What I see the biggest blunder is sales leaders. So if you lead a sales team, I've seen I've seen leaders correct the people they lead without checking a few things first. It's kind of like taking a grenade. I've seen leaders do this, they like pull the pin on a grenade and like throw it on their own feet <laughs> by jumping straight to correction without just checking a few very basic I call it the vital few. Check a few basic things before launching into correction with our team. Huge blunder. Yeah, I love that. I think we do that as parents too. So a lot of times where we go straight to the solution, we go straight to the assumption, we go straight to the correcting without 
really finding out the challenges. And that's important. We even see in feedback, we never get their side of the story. We think we have their side of the story, but it's rare. So what do we do here to where we want to save times as, as leaders, as managers, we want to quickly correct our, our children, our coworkers, the people that we work with. I mean, it's just kind of a natural human reaction to save time, to correct, to get it done. But like you said, we're throwing grenades at people and at our feet. How do we get past that kind of default setting of doing that? I feel like there's three vital checks that I've found. The first one is, is just very simple, very quickly, check your intent. You know, just check yourself. All right. Am I, is my intent to be helpful to this person? And this is where you got a, a real legit look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I motivated right now by like a selfish desire to appear big, to, to be the boss, to look good? Maybe I'm in front of other people, maybe, and hopefully we're not correcting people in front of other people. There is a time and place for that, but it's very rare. Most corrections should be one-on-one with that individual person. But first, check your intent. Is my intent to be helpful? And that can be a tough challenge in itself because we often lie to ourselves. And like, yeah, yeah, this, this is for them. But really, it's gratifying a selfish motive, right? So first check, check yourself. And then the second check is check their vital few. And I think of it like this. Imagine, you know, going to a, you're in a doctor's office and imagine you show up and, and maybe you have pain in your left elbow. <laughs> I don't know, just throw something out. And you show up and all of a sudden the doctor, the first thing they do, they look at you for a split second and they pull out their prescription pad and they hand you the prescription. You would be like, what are you, doctor, what are you doing? What, what are you giving this to me for? Like, well, here's, this is what's wrong. I didn't even tell anybody why I'm here. This is not what I need, right? And so a doctor that writes prescriptions that are hot, that are bad, that are not pre-diagnosis is, man, that's malpractice. And so oftentimes as leaders, like you would never go to a doctor and you would never keep that doctor. You would fire that doctor. Well, I guess it would depend on the prescription. If it's a good thing of morphine, that would probably fix anything, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) All right, maybe not. (laughs) And, and the reality is prescription without proper diagnosis is malpractice. As leaders, how often do we go around writing hot prescriptions to people that we lead? Because we don't even know them. And so the vital few is the focus areas, three key areas to focus to very quickly. This can be done within just a few minutes, a conversation and with some specific questions that we'll talk about here. Very quickly, you want to identify where they're at. And the vital few. So first you check your own intent. Second, you check their vital few, their mind, their heart, and their feet. And so a quick window into their, their mind, like if you're leading somebody before going, jumping into correction, you want to get an idea of where their, where their mind's at. Just get a quick little baseline. It's almost like when at the doctor, what they, what they do is they first check vitals, right? They check your mind, they check your temperature, Take out your tongue and say, ah, and they just get a very general baseline for where you're at. And that'll give them some foundational pieces of questions to ask, what to do, how to move forward. And so as a leader, you want to check their mind, their heart, their feet. Their mind is, hey, how are they showing up? And it could be as simple, you know, Kurt, you do this all the time. And you've, as you've led teams, it's, it's just a simple conversation. Hey, what's going on? How are you doing today? 
don't overthink it. And it's, it's even just some, a question like, hey, how are you showing up? And let them talk. Well, you know, right, today it was a little bit tough. Well, really? Okay, what makes you say that? And just having a normal, simple conversation. Because here's the thing. The reality is a leader, oftentimes, when we want to and need to give correction to somebody, oftentimes we just jump straight into it without, without aligning with them before trying to lift them. I agree with that 100% because a lot of times we think we're saving time, but we're wasting time. And if we can truly lure to lead people how they want to be led and take the, the few extra seconds to do that, it makes a world of difference. 100%. If you take the time it takes, it takes less time. So like the vital few, the first one's the mind, just, just get an idea of where they're, how they're showing up, what's going on in their mind. Are they filled with fear? Are they positive? Are they negative? You know, all those things. Just, just get an idea of where their mind's at. Second, do we have an indication of their heart? Do we know what they want? Do we know their why? Do we know why they're even showing up to our team? Why are they still there? What, you know, why do they get up out of bed in the morning? What, are they, what motivates them? What makes them tick? We don't know enough about the people we lead if we don't have an indication into their heart. What drives them? What's their will? Just simple questions like, hey, what are you really passionate about? Yeah, that's so important. We go right to the right for the jugular a lot of times. And a lot of times as leadership as managers, we think, well, they're there for the pay, they're there for other things. But I was reading an interesting study the other day of why people weren't happy with their managers, their leaders. And it was crazy. There was failing to give credit, failing to encourage, criticizing in front of other people, failing to ask their opinions, failing to inform their progress. Those are all things I think we're doing when we jump down their throat, we quickly criticize. But you're right. If we get past that default setting, spend a little more time, it'll make a huge difference. I love that, Kurt, because pay really is just a hygiene factor. Our friend Clayton Christensen talks about that in, in his book, the How Do You Measure Your Life? And, and pay really is a hygiene factor. Like you got to take care of yourself. You got to like brush your teeth, you know, take a shower. It, and those are like hygiene factors and pay falls into that category. And so I I 100% agree. I love it. And so really, before jumping into correction, we've checked our intent. We checked their vital few. The vital few, there's three major areas. We talked a little bit about their mind, a little bit about their heart, find out a little about what's going on. And then the third thing, before launching into correction, and again, all of this can be done very quickly. And the more you know the people that you lead, the easier and quicker this process will become. But before pulling the pin on the grenade and launching into correction mode, you don't want to throw that at your own feet by correcting too quickly without a very basic baseline on where they're at. The feet, the vital few of the feet, all this is, is what are their results? What this looks like is which direction are their feet moving in? Like how fast are their feet moving? Are they, are they like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, just like moping around? Or are they like... Fred Flintstone, like, yeah, but I'm a dude, just flying. And here's the thing, Kurt, like we see this all the time, right? Where maybe their feet are flying, but they're flying in the wrong direction. Just getting an, an idea, a very simple indication, the vital few, their mind, their heart, and their feet. When we know what's going on a little bit in their mind, when we know what drives them in their heart and we know what direction their feet are headed and at what pace, that right there gives us that initial baseline to make sure that when, when we correct somebody, that that correction lands and that it's helpful and that it drives results rather than drives resentment. 
That's a great point. It reminds me of something I've learned from Jim Rohn is big difference between a lot of activity and accomplishment because people could look busy and be busy. And as a leader, I think I'd rather have them busy and kind of steer them in the right direction. And then if they're not doing anything at all, I guess we have to see if their feet are horizontal or vertical. (laughs) (laughs) Will tell us a lot about how we can correct them and nudge them in the right direction. Good points. Let me ask you this. One of the things I love that you talk about and you teach is treat people big. And that's a big point for a leader. Treat people big. I love that concept. Can you elaborate on that and tell the listeners exactly what that means and how to apply it? You bet. One of the most valuable leadership principles, tools, ways to live by, to to be an effective leader. I think what hits at the heart is this word genshai is an ancient Hindi word, which means to never treat another person in a manner that would make them feel small. I love that because I think that hits at the very root of effective leadership. When we can treat people in a way that we don't treat them in a way that would make them feel small, we treat people big. It makes me think of one of the most impactful leaders in my life. His name was Doug Johnson. And one day I, I was a just a punk teenage kid just trying to figure out who I was. And I'll never forget walking down a hallway in my church, actually, at a, at a, like a Wednesday night activity and a little meeting or activity we were having. And I was walking down the hall and I'm just walking with, by myself at that time. And, and I heard my name and I'm just like, I like froze. I'm like, what? Wait, I just heard my name. And I listened in and I heard somebody, I didn't know who it was at the time, say that Ben Ward, I would invest in stock in Ben Ward. And if you can see my face, I was just like stunned. And there I was just sitting there, just like, like walking there, just like, holy smokes. Like what just happened? Like, who is that? And I started, as I listened in, I I recognized, and they didn't know that I was there. I was hiding on the other side of the corner. As I listened, I recognized the voice of Doug Johnson and man, Doug Johnson, like I knew that he believed in me. I, I caught him red-handed. Like he tells me, oh, Ben, you're the best, whatever. But like, I mean, I caught him red-handed telling somebody else of his confidence in me. And what ended up happening, he treated me big. In his presence, I wanted to rise up to the level of expectation that he had in me. They expected me to do great things. Like he would invest in stock in me. And so what ended up happening is that when I was in Doug Johnson's presence, I became the very best version of myself. I became bigger than I was. And Kurt, man, I believe that as leaders, we have such an opportunity to treat people big. We have such an opportunity and responsibility to help people become what they could and ought to become. And it's kind of like what Goethe, the ancient philosopher says, he, he said, if you treat a man as he is, he'll stay as he is. But if you treat him as if he were what he could and ought to be, He'll become what he could and ought to be. You know, Doug Johnson, treat me big. I believe as leaders, as we treat people big, and I mean, that's one of the most powerful and valuable gifts we can give to the people we lead. Well, everyone, I hope you caught that. We have the, the opportunity and responsibility as leaders and influencers to change lives. And I believe as influencers, we have a moral and ethical responsibility to influence people, to improve people, to help their lives, to change their lives. And that's so important. And I love what I learned from Mark Victor Hansen. And this goes to your point that 
everyone's DNA coded for greatness. There's just something about that. And as leaders, as managers, as influencers, I love your story because it was just that one person, that one comment. It took a few seconds, but it rocked your world and changed your life forever. And these expectations, we could either rise or fall to these expectations. And so treat people big. I like that. You said it was from a, a Hindi word, right? Yeah. Hindi word, Genshai, spelled G-E-N-S-H-A-I. Love it. Treat them big. And you also mentioned too, that when you treat them big, that doesn't mean soft. What does that mean? You know, sometimes we think like in order to treat somebody big, you know, we need to like always have it be positive. And no, sometimes treating people big is honoring them enough to provide them very clear feedback, constructive feedback, all the way to correction. If we don't give correction when correction is necessary, we're being selfish. And, you know, because we, we care more about ourselves and appearing as the bad guy and being worried about them blaming us for pointing out their deficiency, then we really care about them and helping guide them in the right direction. And so the key is before we jump into correction mode, just those vital checks, check your intent, check their vital few. And the third one is check your expectations. I don't think we talked about that, but we, you know, make sure we've set the proper expectation. Guys, once we've checked those things very quickly, if we don't give correction, we're just not serving that person. So big doesn't mean soft. And you know what? You know, oftentimes, you know, especially once we've done, once we've checked ourselves in those areas, you want to be, and it's time for correction, you want to be soft like a brick. You want to be soft, meaning that they know that you care. Like they know you care, but you want, to be, you want to let them know very clearly because clear is kind. When we're clear, it's really us being kind. You want to be soft like a brick. I love that. Soft like a brick. That builds great imagery as we talk about influence and leadership. Some great principles he talked about. Let me, let me put you on the spot here, Ben. We both mentored with Brian Tracy, one of the great sales trainers of the world. If you guys haven't heard of Brian Tracy, look him up. He will teach you quite a few things. He, I don't, he's probably written about 50 books, but let me ask you this. As you've mentored with Brian, worked with Brian, what is the biggest lesson you've learned from him as you guys have worked together? I looked him in the eye one time and asked him, I was like, Brian, if I was your son <laughs> and if I was the son that you knew was committed to take action on the principles of success... And, you know, you've written all these books, you've taught, trained all over the world. What one thing, and I asked him the same question you're asking me. I'm like, what one thing would you say? What, what advice would you give? And I'll just, I'll never forget the look in his eye when he said, Ben, there's two. <laughs> he didn't even flinch. It was like not even, it was like not even a split second from when I asked him to when he, when he's like, Ben, there's two. <laughs> and he said, first, continuous learning. He says, if you'll continue to learn throughout your life, you'll continue to grow and develop into the very best. Don't stop continuous learning. And I'd heard that a ton before, but, I, but hearing it from my mentor and from one of my heroes added such new meaning. And I recommitted to just continuous learning. And the second thing that he said, he's like, the second thing is don't quit. And he's like, seriously, don't quit. You continue to learn and don't quit. And, and he gave a little bit of insight on this. He said, listen, make sure that your ladder is leaning on a solid wall that has also the ladder has a good foundation. 
And he said, you're going to have to pivot in your life. Things are going to change, ebb and flow. You know, you have to pivot as, you, as necessary, but relentlessly don't quit in pursuing your dreams. Continuous learning and don't quit. That's your recipe for ultimate success. Well said. Well done, Brian Tracy. Continuous learning or personal development. That, that's one of my big takeaways from Brian. I remember he said once that if you get yourself to read 30 minutes a day in your field after five years, you'll be a national authority. And uh, I, I still do that, the 30 minutes a day. That's made a huge difference in my life. And Brian's a product of the product. I know he would go on vacation with a suitcase just full of books. I mean, he was like a walking <laughs> encyclopedia. I don't know if there's anybody I know that knew more than Brian about everything. <laughs> he was, oh, man. He's amazing. He was incredible. He could tell he was a great trader. So great words of wisdom today, things we can do to be better leaders, managers, influencers. Take a little more time. It's going to save you time. Well, Ben, let me ask you, is there one thing I missed or one Final thing you want to leave to our listeners? Uh, sure. Yeah. I would say the easy part in success is learning the skills. The hard part is guarding your mind and taking action despite fear. And so my final challenge to you as you're listening, Alf, I challenge myself with this every day, is to pluck the FUD. <laughs> And what I mean by that is if you're going to garden, you got to get the weeds out of the garden, right? Or else they'll choke out the plant, destroy what you're trying to grow. And our minds are the exact same way. We have weeds of the mind. We may have this great idea, this beautiful, this goals, this beautiful idea plant that we're trying to grow. And inevitably weeds of the mind are going to creep in. You got to pluck the weeds. The most common are fear, uncertainty, and doubt, FUD. You got to pluck the FUD. That's the number one key that I've found in 20 years in the trenches, leading sales teams, selling personally, leading teams is getting rid of that FUD. The skills, the easy part, the, the FUD, getting rid of that, guarding our minds, taking action despite fear. That is the challenge and anybody can do it, but it takes focus and commitment. So I love Kurt. I love what you're doing with your podcast, with your training, because you're helping people pluck the FUD. I challenge you to pluck the FUD. All right. You've heard it here, Maximizers. Pluck the FUD. Get your brain in the right direction. Don't let those weeds grow. Ben, wonderful time. Great information. But Ben, do tell us, where can the listeners find out more about you and what you do? BenWard.com. Very simple. BenWard.com. Go there for more information. Check it out. Ben's out changing the world, making lives better, improving people. That's what we want for all of you to do. Really appreciate your time being here. Thanks for everything. Ben, thanks for all your kind words and all the stuff that you do. Heck yeah, Kurt. Thanks so much, brother. All right. So maximizers, take one thing that you learned, apply it, use it, change your life, change the world, become more influential. Remember, you can find Maximize Your Influence on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Or you can go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com for past episodes, the archives. Pick up the latest edition of Maximum Influence, the second edition. And of course, the place to go to get your free Persuasion IQ assessment and the bonus for doing it. Thanks for listening. Apply it, use it, and go out and persuade with power. 